I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, I want to welcome Annalise Vance. Her titles are Mommy, CEO, Fractional CMO, Marketing Vendor broken, Broker, rather, <laughs> and Human Jungle Gym and Podcaster. Yep. Annalise comes from a long lineage of family-owned businesses and going back to her childhood. And what she, it's bred into her, what she does now and her true passion. Annalise felt like what father's kids need are is dad at home. And so that's very much her, her mission. It's what she tries to accomplish in Never Miss a Moment Consulting. And we're here to hear Annalise's story. Uh, I've known her for a number of months now, and I'm impressed by her passion for family. Annalise, welcome. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, so I've had a chance to get to know you, but, you know, but for everybody else, I mean, wh where are you from? I know you're in Ohio now. Mm -hmm. um, yep, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, 38 years. Um, for those of you who are in Cincinnati, more the Montgomery Blue Ash area, and uh, now I live more near, more the west side of Cincinnati, uh, I think is is what people would say. So. And you went east for university and then came yep. back. Yep. I went to Boston College um, for a year and then came back, spent a little time at Xavier and since or UC and then figured out college was not my route and ended up in the sales world. Okay. Well, what, what was it that um, you didn't like about college? What what was it that just didn't match? Oh, I loved it's It's not that it didn't match. It's a great question. So I, I've always loved learning. I mean, I, I think my mom jokes that I was valedictorian of my kindergarten class. I learned to read when I was three. I've, I've always had a love for learning. I think for me, I'm a purpose-driven person. And so I was in school because I had a plan. I uh, had wanted to be an attorney since I was 12. And when I realized at 19, that's not what I wanted to do anymore. I just took a step back because spending a lot of money to not know what you want to do just didn't make sense to me, which kind of fits into what I do now because I'm all about making sure people's money is spent with a return on investment. And then I just never ended up going back. I kind of, you know, jumped around. I was a hostess. I was a server. I was a nanny. I managed an ice cream store and then I got recruited into sales. Um, and that was just where I found what I was really good at and just kind of stayed in that world until I started my business three years ago. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who dropped out of college 20 hours short of graduation. Wow. 
And he was just looking at it and he's like, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to take a pay cut and do something I don't enjoy if right. I continue uh, the degree. And, you know, when I look at, I think especially now, I think the product is broken. I'm not anti-college. I have a graduate degree. I'm not, you know, I'm a poor example of being anti-college in practice. It's, I think it's broken and I don't think it's the path for everybody. I think every kid should take a year off. I think every kid should take a gap year. And if you think you know what you want to do, go intern in that, go have some experience in that before you, because a lot of your, the beginning of your college, you're doing gen ed credits and, you know, you, you can take care of a lot of that. But if there's not a major Cause I hear so many kids that like they changed their major six to seven times. I think to ask an 18 year old what they want to be when they grow up is a really tall order. I think I'm among a rarity that at 12, I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to be an attorney. I wanted to advocate for people. And I do that today. I just do it in a different field. So I think a lot of kids would not continue along the path and they, they just wouldn't go to college or they might find that they're making money, you know, without even getting the degree. I mean, if you do the math on what you spend today to get a degree and then what you have to pay back and comes out of your salary or, you know, your pay, the ROI is not always there. So yeah. We're, yeah. we're along the same, same line <laughs> of thought there, Craig. You know, I, I was, uh, I used to go to a woodworking school in Indiana. So your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you live in Texas, anything under a 10 hour drive is next door. And, okay. uh, <laughs> and, uh, and there was, I was out at dinner with another student, a guy named Doc, a, a gynecologist and our waitress asked us, she told us where her degree was and and she said, well, what can I use? You know, you guys seem smart. What could I do with this degree? And Doc, without skipping a beat, I mean, immediately just blurted out, wait tables. <laughs> and the sadness is, you know, this, this young lady had, you know, was certainly in debt, had devoted four years of her life to getting a degree that neither she nor anyone else could figure out how that was valuable to her. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think you have to begin with the end in mind, right? I mean, I always ask my client, the first question I ever ask them is what's your goal? And then what's your budget? And not just money budget, but time budget, emotional budget, spiritual budget, depending on where their beliefs are at. But if you don't start with what the goal is and what you're trying to accomplish, it, it never really goes well. Yeah. Now, people that know you on LinkedIn know that you're passionate about family. I am. Um, you're very, you're, I would say you're more passionate about family than anybody I know, uh, in, including oh. my wife, uh, who just texted me earlier saying, Hey, can the grandkids come over? And, That's quite a compliment. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And, but, you know, we have some folks that are listening that don't know you. What, what's, what would you say is at the root of that? I mean, and, and so hang on, before we go there, just to kind of set the stage, if, if you had to boil your mission and what you do down to one sentence, what would that one sentence be? Uh, to take marketing off of the shoulders of fathers. So if their kids are small enough, they can be up there instead. Wow. Wow. What's, 
where did this passion rise up in in your life? Like you said, I was kind of born into it. It's it's something you almost have to look back at where hindsight's 2020. But the short version of my childhood is for all but three years of my life, my dad traveled. Uh, You could set your watch on when he left on Sunday night and when he got home on Thursday night. And I have a lot more empathy for my mom now. When I was younger, I didn't really understand, but I have, you know, two kids of my own, one that'll be two tomorrow and one that'll be four in March. So I'll have two, three and under um, as of tomorrow, but she wasn't really wired. And I don't think any woman is, but my mom particularly just, she wasn't wired to be a single mom. Um, just not her personality. She likes, you know, things more orderly and, and in control and Craig, you've got kids and grandkids. So, you know, like that's just not always possible. Um, And graciously, my Nana lived with us since I was two. So I think that took a lot of pressure off of her and it was still a really good family situation. But when I advocate for dads, I'm not just advocating for them. I'm advocating for their kids and their wife as well, because I know that I'm a better wife and mom when my husband's there to fill in his counterpart. But I just, I lived the difference of, when he was gone. And then the three years when my parents owned a business, when I was 11 to 14, I always say it's the three years in my memory that I remember being a family. Um, there was just a peace in the house. There was just, things were as they should be, so to speak. I mean, I I've done a few Andy Griffith posts. I mean, I've also been accused that I want to go back to the 1950s and you know, they had a lot of things figured out back then. Um, but so there's there's that. And then if you fast forward, like I said, I have two kids, uh, four or three and under. And I've just lived the difference of my husband being gone five days a week versus my husband being gone two days a week. We've been able to cut it back. And I just I remember the first day that it happened, and I literally sat in my kitchen and it was there was just peace. There wasn't chaos. There wasn't clamor. There wasn't rushing. It was just, and it just, it felt like it, it was as it should be. Um, so that's kind of the root. I don't know if I, I got your exact question answered. Feel free to do a follow-up question, but, um, I want to, I I've experienced that and I, I want to give that to other families as well. Cause I know we're not the only family that's you know, business owner with young kids that's just trying to figure out life and how to make it work. You know, the common thread that's in any successful entrepreneur is they passionately believe something in the world is broken and they're setting out to change it. Well said. And I definitely see that in you. Thank you. Now, a few minutes ago, you said you have two kids. By some methods of accounting, Mm. that's not a true statement. It's not a true statement. I have two walking miracles and I have a baby girl in heaven. Tell tell me a little bit about your girl. Well, I never got to meet her. Uh, She was um, in utero for six weeks and um, we weren't trying, um, you know, but she was definitely part of God's plan. And 
her name is Palmer Abbey, which means um, P or joy of the father. Um, and she just, she brought perspective back to me and my husband. Um, I remember even though we weren't trying, I, I was so excited about it. And, um, you know, my husband was definitely nervous too. Like he's very much a planner as well. Right. But, um, and then all of a sudden she wasn't coming here anymore. Um, and it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but I always say that her role in life was she made me a better mom to my kids that are alive. Um, I appreciate them so much more, uh, medically they shouldn't exist. Um, I have, um, symptoms of a thyroid autoimmune disease and, um, they shouldn't exist and I shouldn't still be able to nurse my son at two. Um, but all of those things are, are possible. And so, you know, the one thing I, it's not really a regret, but I just, I'm excited to see what she looks like, uh, when I get to meet her again. You know, there's, uh, there's something Einstein said, I'm, I'm probably going to misquote it, but I won't know. It was <laughs> something to the tune of he, Einstein said that there are two ways to view the world. One mm. is that nothing is a miracle. Mm. The other is to view that everything is a miracle. Mm. Yeah. And I hear a miracle in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she accomplished more in six weeks than a lot of people do in 80 to 100 years of life. Um, she just she just, I'm, I'm actually, it's up on my desk, but it's a shadow box. And it's a picture of when we told uh, my dad that we were pregnant with her. Um, and I just, I have written on there is I refuse uh, to not tell your story. Um, because she is a part of our story. She's a part of my story. She's why I am the mom that I am. Um, because I, I don't think until, unless you've gone through loss like that, you can't truly appreciate what you do have. So. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, um, a stinker in that, you know, when doctors tell me I can't do something, I'm like, bet me. Um, <laughs> so that's a little well, fun. <laughs> well, the doctors had my wife meeting with hospice. So I don't think they, they don't have the best track record in my mind. Well, it's practice, right? Yeah. Sometimes malpractice. Anyway. Well, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> I think they mean well, um, but they're not always right. Yeah. So, um, so when you said that, you know, when, when that happened, you said it sort of reoriented you and re redirected you. What, what would you say are the, the, the biggest ways that her passing, um, and her brief life changed you? Well, one, I think, and I think anyone can get stuck in this, right? Is my husband and I would just have, have you know, silly squabbles over things that just really didn't matter. And still to this day, you know, we still say like, we have this question of, does this really matter? Yeah. And we're referencing her. Um, and we're human. We can get caught up in that. So I think just keeping the main things, the main things is one quote I've heard. I don't 
have any idea who said it, um, but it's a good quote. Um, and the other is, you know, my Nana passed um, before she was born, um, but she was 103. I mean, she lived a good long life. And by the time she passed, like she had congenitive heart failures. So she was going to either pass in her sleep or she was going to choke to death. So the fact that she passed peacefully in her sleep, like, you know, while it was loss and while it was, you know, a part of me passed away because she was my best friend, I was glad that she was where she was at. Um, I, I think it was just a, a paradigm shift and it, it helped me. I, I still keep a grateful journal every day um, because no parent should outlive their kid. I, I just, it's not in my opinion, like how things should happen, but it does make you more grateful for what you do have and what you do get to experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, a few weeks ago, I had some house guests and, uh, their daughter died of COVID four days before they put me on the ventilator Mm. and they're wrestling with that grief of, um, you know, outliving their daughter. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, they, they have a faith that I believe is very similar to yours. And, you know, in that they say that God is, uh, sometimes mysterious, but he's always good. It's always good. Um, you know, one of the things that gave me perspective in this might some people who hear this might just struggle with this perspective, but one of the first calls we made was to our chiropractor. Um, and he's a, a man of faith. And um, ironically, uh, four years later, when they lost Lily Bet's heartbeat minutes before she was born, was praying with our mentor, another friend of theirs and him. So it kind of came full circle. But, you know, he said, you know, as a parent, you wouldn't have wanted your daughter to be born because there was something that was wrong and she's in a better place. And that's not easy to hear. It's not easy to deal with. There was still grief. I still, you know, my husband came in and cause we just redid my office and he saw that I put the desk or the picture up there of the shadow box. And he was like, Ooh, you know, cause he, he likes to keep his feelings like close to the chest. Um, and so he was like, okay, I'm going to see that every time I walk in and I'm like, yeah. And I think we should, like, I don't want to forget that it happened because it is such a big part of our story, but as a parent you want, and I, I know this now with having children here on earth, you want what's best for your kids, even if it doesn't feel so good for you. And that was just an example of that perspective. Yeah. And so, so and now you have uh, two boys. Is that right? I have a girl and a boy. A girl and a boy. Okay. I'm yep. sorry. That's okay. And part of your mission is one to bring your husband home. Yeah. And what's that mean? Yeah. So there's some people like, what do you mean bring him home? Is he living in an apartment or where, where is no. he? No. So we have an offsite client that he helps. Um, they could figure out how to do it remotely. They just won't. Um, and the short version. Um, so started the company three years ago, um, had a pretty big client. And two weeks after my youngest was born, 
he, um, or they, we parted ways and it was quite a bit of money. Um, but it was when we made the decision, we're going to serve fathers. This is who we're meant to serve. Um, we had taken on this client. It was family owned at the time. And then they brought in an executive coach who had some different views. We'll just put it that way. And, um, it just didn't work out. So we, we like wholeheartedly said, okay, like this is who we're going to serve. We're not going to go outside of that. And so when we went through our savings, we made the really hard decision that he was going to take this offsite client. It was when my daughter was two and a half. So initially he was out of the house five days a week. So they went from, I mean, he did everything with my daughter. Like they did the one in 5 a.m. feedings together. They're buddies. Like they just have a very special bond. And at two and a half, um, he was walking out the door and it's, it's for our business, but in her mind, it, daddy's going to work. And so we, in May, were able to reduce that down to two days. And our goal is by the end of first quarter, um, and hopefully less than that, um, that he can just fully work in our business at home, uh, be fully in control of his schedule and not have to leave to go help them or, if he does that, they will be like, if you still want him, you need to do it remotely. Um, but he's not going to be coming there to do it. Yeah. So, but good question. Cause I do get that a lot. What do you mean you're bringing him home? Yeah. <laughs> Kick him out. Is he sleeping on his buddy's couch? Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, you know, one of the things that, that I've appreciated about you as long as I've known you is I feel like fathers are under-celebrated in their children's lives. They are. Um, they're, they're the butt of a joke on most media. Yeah. And what, you know, as a woman, what do you see fathers bringing to their children's lives that mothers can't provide? Oh, I have how long to answer this question? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I think if I can put it simply, um, and this will be controversial, but it's the truth in my perspective. Um, I don't know how to raise a man. Um, I can raise a boy, um, but I'm not a man. I don't know how to help my son become a man. I don't know when he needs tough love. You know, he comes to me when he's crying, when he bumped his head, um, you know, but he's going to raise him not to be like tough, like you know, um, but still that tender heart, but like, um, you know, a man, um, to, you know, what it's like, he's going to set that example of how to treat mommy and how he should treat his future wife, um, how to protect his sister, how to protect other people. And, um, you know, for my daughter to be the almost impossible example to beat until the right guy comes along and is, you know, close enough. Um, but you know, they, he takes her on dates. Um, I have a video of them. Um, my daughter has a natural gift of dance. She has since she could crawl. Um, she's just always been on beat. She's not necessarily athletic, but she has a rhythm and she just, she choreographs these dance and, uh, we were playing Lindsay Sterling in the background and it was like a three-year-old version of Swan Lake going on in the middle of our living room. And he was doing lifts and, you know, mixing martial arts and dance. And it was a little recital. And 
you just saw in her eyes she just fell back and she knew daddy was going to catch her uh just this trust and um it's just a special bond that daddy daddies and daughters have and uh dads need to be present in order to provide that and they need to not be exhausted trying to provide that even though their heart is right um trying to provide financially there's so much more to provision than money and I would take almost all of that over more money, uh, the peace that we have in our house. Um, and the example that, you know, we get to be mommy and daddy together, um, you know, is, is invaluable to us. And so now, since you've been running your business, you're trying to take those principles. Yes to other businesses yes. so dads can be present in the lives of their children. 100%. Wow. Yeah. Not many, unless you run a marketing company like you or like me, um, marketing is not generally a business owner's zone of genius. Um, it's not an insult. They're just, they're good at a trade. The people that we help is mostly um, B2C, you know, blue collar companies. And they're really good at a trade, but they're not necessarily really good at marketing. And so they sit and they they fumble trying to figure this out because it's necessary for their business. But I like to take that, um, you know, off their shoulders, like I said earlier. Yeah. Well, so that's... That they, they have some that they can trust. <clears throat> I just want to add um, that they can trust and they know it's being handled and that if it's not working, I'm going to be transparent. Uh, like I talked about today on my post um, and where we can work together as a team to figure it out. Such a, such an important and powerful message, mm -hmm. you know, and the, if we had more time, we would dig into the stats, but the, it's undeniable that our society is suffering because too many kids have grown up without dad. Yep. And I appreciate your mission. I hope people will reach out. People listening will reach out so you can help them spend more time with their kids. How how would they reach you? Uh, so two main ways. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. And um, I think my name is at the bottom there. Um, on how it's spelled, that's where I hang out the most. And then on my website, uh, nevermissamomentconsulting.com, um, they can go to the Let's Connect page. I personally answer all the messages there. And um, if they put in that, you know, this podcast um, will give them a, a discount on some of our um, audits that we run, either our Google audit or our ROI audit. And I'd love to help them with that and give them a taste of, of how we serve people. Annalise, thank you for your passion, for your mission. Thank you for being on Leaders and Legacies. You're welcome. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've been looking forward to it for a couple months. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. 
If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.